guys, welcome to Seasons of Wisdom, a podcast where I take idioms and quotes from throughout history and I break them down to discover why exactly they are so important, what truths they actually hold, and how we can use them today so that we may improve our own selves and happiness. I am excited to begin this endeavor with you all, and I hope that you enjoy this process as much as I do. If you want to know more about the podcast or what it is exactly I'm doing, you can always jump on over to my Patreon account, or you can find me on Facebook or Twitter at Seasons of Wisdom. So with that said, let's get started. In today's episode, I want to continue to expound upon the general theme I have been speaking about in my past episodes. I want to dive into a saying that seemed to come into existence in the 1600s, but is still being used today in many parts of the world. It has a common truth that has been able to withstand the test of time and can be applied even today, despite our fickle minds constantly seeking change and new fads. I know, I have been told a time or two that I have been making mountains out of molehills. When I was younger, I didn't yet understand how pivotal the saying would be in my development and to my outlook on the world. I find it to be a very important one to discuss in today's climate and society. I want to start with explaining the meaning to those who may never have heard the idiom. But a study has shown that it ranks high among the 203 sayings that scientists tested. So for that fact, I will keep this explanation fairly short. Simply put, when someone makes a mountain out of a molehill, they are using a form of distortion called magnification amongst cognitive psychology circles. And in doing so, they are exaggerating an issue or the severity of a situation. They are turning a small problem into a larger one. Instead of crossing a molehill, they act as if they are crossing a mountain, which we all know is more difficult to do. So why exactly does one do this? Why do people tend to exaggerate their issues or situations? Well, there are many reasons, of which I'm sure that you've probably worked out on your own. So please bear with me as I follow this train of thought. Exaggeration can be used to evoke an equal response from the other person, such as a strong feeling or impression. It can be used to make achievements, obstacles, or problems seem bigger than they are in order to obtain attention. One might use exaggeration because they fear that they won't receive the attention of the other person without doing so. Exaggerations can be found in everyday speech and are also called tall tales, and they have been joked to be the basis for most fishing stories. They can be used to emphasize a point or to create effect, but they can also be used deceptively in order to evoke a specific response from the other person or peoples. They can be used both innocently and maliciously and can result in many misunderstandings and in uninformed consequences. I have found that through many reasons, one being the competition on social media to be bigger and bolder than the next person, people feel this pressing need to exaggerate their accomplishments or situations, both good and bad. They feel that they have to top the last person and that no one will care unless it's the best. They feel they must exaggerate in order to gain the attention and followers to the point that we have started to live in a world that is quite false and fake. Take a look at the travel and activity pictures or videos posted by so many people. Take a look at the selfies and the activities themselves. Ten years ago, we didn't feel the need to Photoshop or filter what we posted. That was something that models and magazines did in order to sell products and to create beauty standards. However, now even grandparents know how to use filters to exaggerate what they look like or what they are doing. This constant need has even resulted in influencers being caught using filters to make themselves appear as if they are thinner or are places they aren't. They are used to fool their followers that the life they are living is better than theirs. They 
felt such a driving need to create a false reality for fear that they wouldn't receive enough attention or recognition otherwise. So, why exactly do we feel this need to basically lie about ourselves? Why do we feel this need to compete with those we would never meet in real life? Why must we present such a false front? I find that there are many reasons, all of which have a firm basis in psychology and application. There's a saying, keeping up with the Joneses, which means that we as humans have always felt this driving need to seek out that which we don't have. We're never really satisfied with what we do have. And it's a common issue that almost everyone struggles with, some more than others. Instead of looking at what we have, all the things that others may not have, we can only see what we are lacking. We become obsessed with trying to imitate or obtain that which someone else has. And once everyone obtains that item or accomplishment, someone feels the need to have something more or different, resulting in a rush for others to seek out the new thing they don't have. This pattern continues with people constantly trying to be seen as the first or to outdo everyone else. We have a basic need to feel special, which can be temporarily met by having an item or accomplishment that others do not. However, that need is not met long term and often leaves people seeking the next experience to make them feel special. This behavior has existed for many years, almost as long as man has existed, and is theorized to have been developed as a survival trait for the human race. In that context, one can see why this might actually be a necessary trait, but in today's world, we no longer need it as much, but we still have it. Kind of like an appendix. The problem is that with the development of social media, this need for exaggeration has been blown way out of proportion. When at one time we were limited to those who lived around us or were connected to us through family or social circles, now we can be connected to anyone on the planet. We are no longer competing with someone down the street, for instance the Joneses, but we are now having to compete with the entire world. This concept is absolutely not something that can be kept up long term and will eventually result in catastrophic results. In fact, we are beginning to see the results of this constant drive for exaggeration online in the skyrocketing depression rates. The human psyche knows that these influencers on social media are accomplishing things that most people cannot. Teens see their friends obtaining more accolades and followers through their lies, and they don't really know how they can compete honestly. Despite knowing these things are inflated, and in some cases outright lies, they still feel the need to compete, knowing that those expectations are unrealistic. I personally have many friends in real life who find themselves having to take a break from social media because they can't help but compare their lives to others, and it has resulted in a decline in their overall mental health. I have been guilty of the same feelings to the point that I don't get on social media hardly ever. I personally feel that no good can come from comparing myself to others, finding that competing with myself is a much better use of my time. I do still have social media accounts, but I use them to share important occurrences in mine and my family's lives with my own family and social circles. I don't have any friends or followers on my personal accounts that I don't know or trust completely, preferring not to subject myself to such temptations. I also spend as little time as possible on these sites in order to maintain my own mental health, which is something I struggle with anyways. I don't need any help, Facebook or Twitter. Thanks. So how exactly does all of this apply to the earlier idiom? The mountains out of molehills doesn't really apply to just exaggeration in and of itself. Not unless you then apply the exaggeration to those people who take a simple action or statement from another and then blow it out of proportion. For example, 
canceling terms such as father, mother, brother, sister, husband, wife in written form in the House of Representatives. Or, you know, the term guys, as in, let's go guys, for fear that it's not inclusive. Not to mention the cancellation of history, as in historical figures such as Dr. Seuss, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Abe Lincoln, and many more. Even going so far as wanting to cancel the Constitution due to claims that it was written by racist men, and therefore, in and of itself, racist. Some people, by all means, deserve the utter scorn of our society for atrocious and illegal acts. But we are getting to a point that if we don't understand that everyone at one point or another has said or done something that they regret, we won't have anything left. If we cancel all of history for not living up to standards of today, we will not have any history left to teach. Both of these are absolutely wrong. Both should be limited, and we should seek instead forgiveness. If you are the type to become so offended over someone saying, let's go guys, then I have to believe that you are therefore making a mountain out of a molehill. If you find it necessary to cancel a show for using the term, then you are not making the punishment fit the crime. There is absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to bring attention to a term which could be possibly offensive to someone somewhere in the world. It is wrong to then call out for their demise if the term is used. We can educate and raise awareness without wishing destruction on them or their livelihoods. In repeat offenses, by all means, carry on with the next step. First offenses should be allowed and understood as mistakes. The military has a saying, handle it the lowest level possible. If you take a problem to a senior officer before following the chain of command, you are then at risk of punishment yourself. We can apply this to life as well. If someone offends you, reach out to them and educate them privately. And I stress privately. If they continue to demonstrate the same behaviors, then you can bring awareness without calling for retribution. Keep continuing until the problem has then been solved. But to immediately jump to canceling someone or something for a first offense is, by definition, making a mountain out of a molehill. Now, context should also be considered. If someone becomes offended by a word or action without considering the context and they call for cancellation, they are then guilty of exaggeration. Cancellation of today's celebrities is more of a gray area than the cancellation of historical figures. It is not wrong to learn about someone's contributions to the world while also not supporting every single one of their decisions. It is possible to see brilliance from a person on an issue while not approving of their other opinions. This all-or-nothing approach leads to cancel culture. If we cancel history, we cannot learn from it and thereby will not be able to grow from it and will be doomed to repeat the same mistakes. History and the lessons it can teach us to help us move beyond our understandings is why I started this podcast. I believe that we are fools not to consider the lessons learned by other people in making our decisions of today. By doing so, you ensure that you don't repeat the same mistakes again, making progress in areas they were not able to. We should also consider the psychology that goes along with being a victim of cancel culture or being in a society that is so eager to cancel every mistake. What happens to a person who is canceled for an honest mistake? Most often being canceled entails receiving scorn on social media and personal lives such as among friends and workplaces to the point that people lose their jobs. Sometimes it even leads to violence or doxing, the persecution and assault of someone's person. People go to someone's home and harass or assault them for the simple mistake of words, often done without malicious intent. Imagine for a moment that you are canceled for saying, let's go guys, that you lose your job, your friends, possibly your marriage or relationship, and so on. 
You then go home to find people on your lawn protesting you, calling you so many despicable names, which are often worse than the offense you could be guilty of committing. Now, not only have you just lost those things, you are also at a very real risk of losing your home because you can no longer be employed for fear that you will bring controversy to the job site. I know that if that were me, it would be very easy to sink into an irreversible depression and could possibly lead to suicidal thoughts or actions. Because then what else do you have to live for? It could lead to anger and desire for retaliation against those who have wronged you. And it creates a greater backlash than if someone has simply re-educated that person. So imagine watching this happen in real life to someone you know. Imagine participating in the calls for demise and destruction. Knowing how far someone can fall and how quickly it was accomplished can lead to many people fearing to speak at all. We are a nation built on free speech. At our core, we believe in discussions of ideas and issues. How can we do this honestly if we are too afraid to speak up? How can we grow if we are too afraid to voice an issue because it may offend someone when it's nothing more than the truth? Let's take a moment and consider the psychology behind why people feel the need to cancel someone in such an extreme and exaggerated manner. What is it that makes someone not only become offended, but actually search for things that might be offensive? What drives someone to then call for that person to be harmed? What are their end goals? Since cancel culture is fairly new, we don't have much to go on. But psychologists agree that social media has played a part in the ability to have large groups of people cling on to the call for cancellation. Some people may truly be offended, but others simply come looking to obtain their next outrage fix. Outrage fix is a new term that we're actually starting to hear more of. This large group who band together then becomes known as the culture part. The science supports that the group undergoes a visceral reaction and relies on a shared understanding of the transgression. People often get caught up in the mob reaction when they only hear part of or one side of the story. They then have a disproportionate reaction to that transgression, often judging and sentencing the transgressor in the court of public opinion. So why exactly does someone get caught up in such an issue? Psychology is not studied enough to fully know, but on logic alone, one might surmise that, just like reality TV, we become obsessed with the drama from it. We don't recognize the other side as human and having human feelings. We might also surmise that, like the game Telephone that we all played as young children, we only get parts of the real story and jump to incorrect conclusions. Or, we may simply go along with the mob to avoid getting branded as a traitor to the cause. We may fear being canceled ourselves, and so we join on the bandwagon. Another reason might be that we all want to be seen as having the bigger and bolder issue than the last person on social media, like I discussed earlier. We might just be seeking the opportunity that we stand on the side of justice and understanding, even going so far as looking for the next chance to cancel someone or something so that we can prove it. There are many reasons for getting caught up in this new social phenomena that we have witnessed over the last couple of years. In fact, it can be quite easy to find ourselves as the culprits of cancellations. We are reaching a point where scientists, scholars, and anyone else we rely on to discuss and solve very complex issues are afraid to release their findings because they don't want to be canceled. They fear bringing up a real argument against a proposed action or legislation for fear that the thought could lead to them losing everything. We will very soon find ourselves in a world that is unable to solve any problems at all in a prolonged and effective way if we continue down this path. This is the perfect example of creating mountains out of molehills. 
The extreme nature of these actions are so completely exaggerated that one can't really take them seriously. You can accomplish more when not seeking bigger and better. You can discuss ideas when not afraid of real-life consequences. You can pursue things that truly bring worth and value into your life when free from the need to exaggerate. When put into perspective, we must realize that less is more. That's it for today, guys. I have had so much fun with this whole process, and I look forward to bringing you so much more. I have a ton of new stuff already planned out, just waiting to be discovered together. So if you like what you've heard or believe that what I'm doing here is a good thing, please go to my Patreon page at Seasons of Wisdom and consider supporting me in any way possible. It is my hope that with your support, I will be able to bring content to you more frequently and finally be able to focus on this full time. It's only with your support that I will be able to pursue this. So if you can't donate financially, jump over to my Twitter and Facebook pages and share my content with all your friends. I will be updating these pages frequently and sharing sneak peeks into my life and the processes that I use to make this podcast happen. Again, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, may your troubles be less and your blessings be more and nothing but happiness come through your door.